So some brands are like, look, I've got five, 10 SKUs. I don't have a designated Amazon department. So they'll partner with someone like me. We'll then say, okay, fine. I will take your brand. We'll work out a profit share. I'm going to help you get the listings up. We'll take nice stuff. We'll do, you know, the right copy and I'll work through and show you how to do it. We'll send the products in, start PPC campaigns, things like that. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse. And today, my guest is Rob Kostman. Rob, how are you? Good, Matt. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Hey, and we also have my business partner, Scott Burson from Hook SEO is also on the show today. Hey, how's everybody doing? Good, good. And so let me give you a quick uh, once over on Rob's bio here. He is an Amazon and e-commerce seller who helps people selling and making more profits. And he's a Canadian, but lives full time in Costa Rica with his wife and two boys and does everything remotely. And funny, he was saying that he's an expat from Canada. I'm an expat from Canada living in the United States. And Scott, you're visiting Costa Rica right now, right? Yes, going on almost three years I've been visiting. <laughs> we got two people visiting Costa Rica. Well, visiting, I put them in quotes, in Costa Rica. I'm in the United States from Canada. And by the time this airs, actually, I'll probably be back at my house in Canada for a while. So we're just all over the place here. It's a, it's a new world. So let me ask you this, Rob, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do? Sure. So... I sell on Amazon. I sell whatever I can find. I do what they call online arbitrage, which is basically I buy things from other websites and I resell it back on Amazon. So I've got that as my main business. I have another e-commerce website I run. I'm a CPA, Canadian chartered accountant. So I also have an accounting practice with my wife that mainly serves e-commerce sellers and Amazon sellers. So that's kind of how we all all roped it in, you know, my business is helping Amazon sellers make more money and do their taxes and also sell stuff myself. Right. And talking about selling on Amazon, I mean, it's kind of a weird tax proposition right now because it's all, it seems to be different in, in different countries and stuff. And your tax practice that is in Canada, right? Yeah, correct. So we only do, we only offer our services for Canadians or other sellers that are selling into Canada, helping them with some sales taxes. Right. And so if you're selling on Amazon into Canada, you play what VAT, right? We have GST and HST. So they pay it, they charge it on customers and then they can get it back. It's a little different than uh, the U S right. And then from the tax front, the people who are the sellers, regardless of where they're selling, they pay an income tax, right? For Canadian income tax, or is there a little more to it than that? A little more to it than that. Mostly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not, it's not black and white. There's a whole lot of gray as in taxes, there's always gray. I know in, so Hook SEO is incorporated in the United States and, uh, you know, we do our tax and stuff here and we're not selling products online. So I guess it's kind of a bit of a different animal than the Amazon thing, but we do help people periodically selling things on online for usually we do, you know, kind of e-commerce advertising and stuff. We've done a little bit of advertising. We sell books on Amazon, but Hey, I wanted to know if somebody wants to get started selling on Amazon and they don't have a product, that's always the thing that people hear about, right? How, how they, you know, some college kid made $8 million in his dorm room in six hours on Amazon or some BS, right? But in reality, what is kind of, of what someone should expect to get started selling on Amazon? 
Sure. And, w- and what you're talking about is what it's commonly referred to as private label, where people create their own product, put their own brand name on it, and then sell it on Amazon. Because that's where, you know, you hear stories about guys selling sunglasses to watch the eclipse and making a million dollars in you know a month because they had it manufactured in China and shipped over in the right, you know, things like that. That's I've done that. And I've definitely seen that as a profitable strategy, but that's fairly long and complicated and not not what I recommend for someone who's just starting out. Because when you think about that, you're trying to create your own product. If you're brand new in business, do you know about packaging? What about the competition? Are you going to start doing keywords, AdWords, you know, copywriting all your listings? My thing that I like to do and I, I recommend for people starting out is what we usually call online arbitrage or retail arbitrage. The most simple is just flipping things you find at Goodwill. I mean, you know, used books is very easy. You know, used video games, things that you can find at the thrift store that, you know, you can sell it used and then flip them. A common one was, I used to do a bunch of them, was remember Guitar Hero? You know, the controller with the guitar and you play that. So you'd usually find them for like five bucks at the thrift stores and sell them for like $60, $70. Used, you know, you just got to test it, make sure it works. But I mean, huge margins. So somebody starting out, that's a great way. But what I do is I do what they call online arbitrage, where I go to other websites and I purchase products. And then I have them, the way my model works is I have them shipped to a helper. I have a helper in Toronto or I have a prep center in the United States. And I buy the item from, let's say, Walmart and I have it shipped to her or the prep center, depending on which country I'm using. And then they'll prepare it. They'll send it in a box like they'll take, you know, 30 of them. Let's say I buy this one toy. Like right now, for instance, Mario Kart Live is really hot. Okay, you buy them for like a hundred bucks, so they're selling for you know one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars. So if I buy five or ten of those, I'm able to find them. I throw them in a box, send them into Amazon. They sit in their warehouse until the customer actually purchases it off Amazon. They grab it, put it in the box, ship it out. Easy. Amazon fulfillment. Exactly. You're using Amazon FBA. So when you see that Prime badge as a customer, that's what you're getting, and that's the power. Is it's sitting in Amazon's warehouse, and the customer has that trust factor that they know Amazon is holding on to that. A lot of people don't even know that what third-party sellers are. They just assume everything's sold by Amazon, but really it can be sold by me. You know, it's just Rob Cosman's house of deals, you know, so shipped by Amazon, you know, on the listing, but people don't even notice that. They just click the buy button, right? And are you even doing that when you sell like one-offs of stuff, like used stuff? Is that still going to FBA or are you using that, sending it to someone who then ships it for you on your behalf? I don't do used stuff anymore, but when I used to, I used to do the same. I'd package it up like I'd buy the Guitar Heroes or I'd buy, you know, the odd used books. I really didn't do much. I kind of jumped right away. But the Guitar Heroes I loved. I'd package them up, put them in a nice uh, poly bag, put the sticker on it, and I'd ship it into Amazon. Then you would buy it. You wouldn't buy it, obviously, brand new. But on the listing, it would say, you know, use Guitar Hero controller. And I'd usually have a photo of it so that they see, like, yeah, it's all intact, but it's got a sticker on it kind of thing. And then they buy it. That's cool. So for your online arbitrage, I know like I've talked to a lot of people who do like they go find something on, say, like Alibaba or something. Right. And they have to order 500 of it and then deal with China and three months of shipping or whatever before they get it. Then they ship it to the warehouse. Or on the other hand, there's also drop shipping. So drop shipping products. Do you find it's better to kind of get the stuff to Amazon in the warehouse or you know, is, is drop shipping still like a viable method or is that kind of the old school way to do it? So getting this stuff from Alibaba and that that's really creating your own, that's the, the private label stuff. And I don't, you can do it. And I know guys that 
do it, but it's not for me. And I, it's not what I would suggest someone brand new to start. The drop shipping is, I know some guys that do do drop shipping, but what they'll do is they'll drop ship from like Walmart to Amazon or they'll do Amazon to Walmart or things like that. So they'll list it on one of those marketplaces. And then when you buy it, they ship it or eBay, you know, they'll put it up on eBay for sale. And then when the customer buys it, they just ship it directly from Amazon. That's all gray area. I don't like it. I just, it's kind of risky. I understand people do it, but it's not my bag. I like to buy the good because I, I also don't trust anybody. If I sold something and then the inventory is out of stock when I go to buy it, then I got to cancel that order and that counts against my cancellation rates and, you know, you can just get into too much trouble. I only sell, I purchase the item, physically have it. I don't, but I have someone else who has it, inspects it, sends it in. I've got the product. I don't have to worry about it. Then all I'm worrying about is what I'm pricing things at and adjusting my prices up and down, depending on sales, volumes, competition, other factors. So how many um, SKUs or how many different products does someone need to carry to kind of get started on it? Is it like you could start with just one thing or is it more like you want to start with like a whole bunch of something? No, I mean, just walk into a Walmart clearance and you start scanning things and looking at them. That's the genius thing. You can literally start with like only a few dollars because you can download the Amazon seller app on your phone. And then what it does is it uses the camera and you scan barcodes. So you pick up an item, you scan the barcode and it'll pull up the Amazon listing because the way Amazon works is it reads the barcode says, Oh, here's the one product listing for this. So let's say it's, you know, Mario Kart live, you scan the barcode, pulls it up and it shows you what the offers are. And it'll show you what like the current price is and even gives you a spot, like put in how much you're going to pay. So I'm going to pay a hundred dollars for it. It's selling for 140 after FBA fees and everything. Here's the profit I'll get. And it'll say, and it also tells you the sales rank, which is cool because then you can using the sales rank, you can deduce and figure out how many of these are selling, how fast is it selling, how many they're selling a month. And then you make an educated decision and say, okay, let me give it a try. But you can send one item, two items, 10 items, a hundred. It doesn't really matter. But if you just send that one and sell it, then you get addicted. And then you realize how easy it was. Is there any cost to entry or that's basically based off your sales, their fees? So it's fees based off sales. Yes, but you have to sign up for an account and there's a basic account. I think it's like 20 bucks and you pay per fee. But I just have a professional fee. It's like $39.99 a month and I pay that. And then I just ship stuff in. So I, I pay for inbound shipping, but Amazon has a crazy deal with UPS. So you use their partner shipping, it's called. And you just pack a bunch of stuff in a box and then you ship it to the Amazon warehouse. You pay like, you know, six, eight, 10 bucks to send all this stuff in. And then it sits there until it sells and they take care of all of it. And then when it sells, they charge you a referral fee, which is usually a percentage of the sale. And then they charge you a pick and pack fee, which is basically for them to go pick the item, pack it and ship it out to the customer. And then they send you the difference. Nice. So the question that I had was actually, I think you kind of answered already. And I was saying, are you paying double shipping because you're shipping the stuff to wherever your person is, who's going to test it and package it. And then you're shipping it inbound to Amazon. Right. But what I do is I'm buying stuff from retailers like Walmart, let's say who, you know, you spend 50 bucks, a hundred bucks to get free shipping. So I just pay the, you know, I get free shipping to my prep center or my helper. And then she receives it, inspects it, packages it, uploads it into Amazon creates a box, ships it into Amazon, and then we wait. Right. So there's an old school business practice that was basically wholesale arbitrage, right? Where they would have a truckload of stuff is at a warehouse for Safeway or something. And they go, we have too much of this. We don't need it. So they would go to an arbitrage company who would then find, you know, someone in Texas that has a grocery store chain that will pay 
double whatever the value was of the stuff that they could buy it for. And then they would just drive the truck down to Texas and sell a truckload of potatoes or something, right? And so this is kind of the modern version of the the wholesale arbitrage. No, that's exactly what it is. It's it's you can you can also buy wholesale. You know, you can find wholesalers and that'll sell to you and sell it online. You can buy from other websites. You know, I even buy from brick and mortar stores. Like when COVID happened, I stumbled across a guy who had six different toy stores that he couldn't open in the mall and he's like desperate for cash. I'm like, I'm a cash player. What do you got? And we bought like probably a thousand puzzles. I bought a bunch of Legos, you know, things that everybody was cooped up inside they wanted. So the demand started spiking and this guy's like, Hey, sure, whatever, just take them. Right. So let me ask you this. Have you ever bought a bunch of something that you really thought was going to take off and then it didn't? Yeah. I make mistakes a lot. (laughs) You still do. I mean, everything is calculated risk. The nice thing is once you get a few apps like Keepa and some plugins like that, where you start to see the data, the sales data, historical pricing, you're making educated decisions and you're trying to weigh the risk. The biggest risk, like for instance, so I was selling a shoe and it was an Adidas woman's superstar, which is a very cool, fashionable white shoe. And for whatever reason, the women's version was hard to get, or it was short run. I don't know. So I ended up buying out all of Canada. Basically I went into a mall chain and I said, Hey, I want all these. So I bought them all. They pulled them from all the stores. So I had, you know, I think it was like $20,000 worth of this one shoe. Then what happened was a bunch of Chinese manufacturers started knocking them off and sending fakes in. So Amazon suddenly said, Hey, you're not allowed to sell. It was like size seven and eight and a half and six. So I could sell the rest of them, but they restricted those specific ones. I was like, pooched for literally three or four months. And then finally they opened it back up again. But sometimes you make gambles at Christmas time, especially trying to find the hot toy. You know, that's one way to make money, right? You know, the the shortage of, you know, trying to find the hot toy and, you know, you're trying to figure out what the hot toy is early enough while it's still available before everybody else is running in the stores. And, you know, you're buying it at retail or you're using coupons to try to get it a little bit below the retail price. And you're hoping it's going to go high enough to make your profit. And sometimes it works like a couple of years ago, Spica was really popular and there's pie face, but then sometimes it doesn't work out because it just, the item isn't as popular as the, the kids you thought it was. So this episode is going to air in about the second week of December. So do you want to spill the beans now because it'll be too late for somebody to buy it? <laughs> what you think the toy of the year is going to be this year? Mario Kart Live right now is super hot. Is Mario Kart Live. You know, and I'm personally, I'm banking that there's going to be a Lego shortage again. So I've got a lot of Legos that I think are going to you know go up. I think the COVID lockdown, you know, winter, that all combined, a lot more people are going to be staying home. I still think the things like puzzles are going to do well. Those stay-at-home activities, video games are obviously going to be hot. It's just a matter of, is there enough supply out there for people to get? Like when COVID first came in April, saw a massive spike in Nintendo Switches. Nobody could get them. Nintendo Switches, webcams, and home fitness, like Bowflexes, they all went crazy. They just, you know, because every, everybody wants to stay at home. So you just got to think about, if you want to stay at home, what do you need? So the winter, like guys were doing heaters now, like outdoor patio heaters, because the vacation now is your backyard. So summer was all pools and trampolines. Now it's heaters. But I still think, yeah, the Mario Kart is going to do really well. The Mandalorian is a big one and the Baby Yoda and animated, you know, the animated one that moves. I don't know. I feel like it's really mass produced. I think there's a lot there. So I'm not betting on that. Some guys are, but I, I don't think so. I still think that the Mario is the hot and then other Switch games that usually hard to get. And you said, you said that you think there's probably 
going to be a shortage of Legos. You have a bunch of Legos. Is that something that you have stored somewhere or that's actually just sitting in Amazon and you don't have it? You're not selling it yet. You're waiting until the price is right. I have both. So I have some that are sitting in Amazon right now and I've got my price up there and I'm waiting. And then I've got others that I'm just sitting there. So usually what I'll do is if I'm betting because Legos are interesting because they retire. So they only run for so long. So if you can figure out when they're going to retire and try to grab them close there, or you can get them on a deal and you're willing to sit on them for, you know, a couple months, you know, there's profit there. So I'll buy some and then I'll send it a few units and then I'll store the rest of them. And then once those few units start to sell, you know, if I don't go back and check it all the time then I know, Hey, it's starting to move now. You know, the market must've come up to my price point now Then I'll go back, revisit it, send in more. If it's at Amazon though, it needs to be listed as for sale. Yep. And they, the other thing with Amazon too, is they charge storage fees, especially in Q4, because they don't want to be a warehouse. They want the stuff to move quickly. So some of that, you know, you got to balance that out. That's why I don't send in everything because I'm going to get charged storage fees if it doesn't move. But I also want to keep an eye on it. You know, if it all of a sudden hits my price and I see it sold, I'm like, okay, game on. And that's when I dig in deeper again, you know, and I've got a few like that that are out there. So what's the kind of target margin somebody should be looking for to get started? Like, is, is there a point that kind of makes it worthwhile? Like, do you need to be making 20% or 50% or something? So my personal criteria is I want 20% margin. After all my fees, I want to get 20%. Ideally, I want to get like 30, 40, 50, you know, the more, the better. But generally I'm willing to accept a lower amount if it'll sell faster. You know, something like the Mario Kart, if it'll fly, yeah, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll take it because it, I know it'll move. No one's going to return it. You know, it's going to move fast. But now I also sell a lot of shoes. So shoes, I'll be looking for a higher margin because they're going to sit longer because shoes don't, you know, fly out the door. They're kind of one-offs and there's a lot of different variations, different sizes, different colors, but I want a higher return. I might have to sit on them longer, but I want, you know, 50%, 100%. You know, I want to make money on those ones. If somebody maybe has their own product that they're trying to sell on Amazon, is that someone that you, do you help with that also? Yeah, absolutely. I, I manage a couple accounts that I help them basically create their own listings, get started. Some people like, once you get started in the Amazon game and if you're into it, you understand it, great. But if you're first kind of coming in, you might get overwhelmed. How does it work? So some brands are like, look, I've got five, 10 SKUs. I don't have a designated Amazon department. So they'll partner with someone like me. We'll then say, okay, fine. I will take your brand. We'll work out a profit share. I'm going to help you get the listings up. We'll take nice stuff. We'll do, you know, the right copy and I'll work through and show you how to do it. We'll send the products in, start PPC campaigns, things like that. Just because when you first go in, if you're brand new, you can get overwhelmed. And if you screw stuff up and make mistakes, you might not necessarily, you know, you'll run into trouble. So a lot of people actually decide to partner with someone who that's what they do. Right. So if somebody wants to reach out to you to get some help with Amazon, where is the best place for them to find you online? Just at our website, sellingfromthebeach.com. We've got a bunch of free resources there. Contact us. We've got our free Facebook community, which is a full of about almost a thousand members now that are all just full-time. Well, not full-time, but sellers, Amazon sellers from all across the world. Talk about not people aren't giving out secrets, you know, that here's, here's the hot one to buy, but they're helping each other, you know, look at trends and categories and sales ranks and stuff like that. It's cool. Nice. Well, thank you, Scott and Rob for both being on the show today. Thank you. 
Thanks so much, Matt. It's fun. All right. And we will have that information in the show notes, which you can find underneath your podcast player, or you can go to our website at hookseo.com slash podcast and get ready. Christmas is coming, people. I mean, by the time this airs, Christmas is only going to be a few weeks away. So get that Mario Kart live while you got the chance. And we'll see you guys next time. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.